from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It's Monday, the 19th of February. I hope you had a fantastic, safe, prosperous weekend, had a little fun, and also got some work done for this week to reduce your entrepreneurial workload during the week. I always have to get some work done Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, or I mess up in the subsequent week. So it's important to me to have this weekend time and I hope you use it as well. We have an absolutely fantastic show for you today. I am really excited to introduce some great guests, two fantastic guests today. It's going to be a good one, I promise. First up, we have Jason White. I think he has something like 40 federal contracts right now, most of them ongoing. Imagine that, 40 different revenue sources, all from the federal government, so you know they're secure, you know you're going to get paid. And they're ongoing. It's not just a one-time gig. He will teach us how to do that. So Jason White, I'm very excited to learn about that. After that, from Portugal, we have Tiago Faria. He is the anti-marketing guy. That's right, anti-marketing. He markets anti. So I can't wait to learn about that. I sort of understand what he's saying, but we're going to make sure. So I'm excited for Tiago to be with us as well. And before that, we're doing something that we have never done before. 2,352 shows or something like that. And we have never done what we are about to do now. In just a minute, we are going to play the quick 10 at the beginning of the show. Normally we do this at the end, but we know that not everyone listens to 100%. I haven't done a quick 10 recently, so I thought I would slip in a quick 10 and do it a little differently and put it at the front. These are 10 questions about entrepreneurship that I have asked two or 300 different entrepreneurs, and we collect all the answers. We very rarely play them, like one out of 20 or 30 ever have gotten played so far. Most of them are just in the can. I'm collecting them. One day, it's going to be a beautiful coffee table book with 200 entrepreneurs answering the same questions about creativity, bootstrapping, passion, uh, how to get started, all of these core topics so that you can get a wide range of people answering the question, you know, what do you do if you uh, are not, aren't creative? What's your favorite creativity hack? Question number one, 200, 250, whatever it is, people answer that question so we can get some great insights on it. And it's a lot of fun. So we're going to do that up front. We have Diane Pisani with us. She was on the show back at the end of January. Really cool business, Home Watch Academy. She takes care of second homes, vacation homes that people are not in for months at a time, and is now teaching other people how to do that as well. So really cool uh, business, strong idea. 
and she's had a ton of success with it. So I'm excited for you to have her play the quick 10. She had some great answers. And I, I remember a couple of them. I actually re-listened to it and she's really good. The number one question I get asked, do I really believe that entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, and passion? I do. I really do. Creativity is awesome for artists. 86% of ideas are copies. Oh, wait, 93, 93%. That data comes from the London School of Economics. So it's a good source. Most ideas are copies. Don't wait around for a creativity lightning bolt from God. Just go start a business. Copy someone else and do that. Risk is bad. Risk is great for bungee jumpers, but for entrepreneurs, it's bad. We want to reduce risk in every single way that we can. We talk about that on so many shows, bootstrapping techniques and all of that. I'm not going to spend more than $5,000 to test the idea. Passion is awesome in the church, synagogue, the mosque. Entrepreneurs don't need to be passionate. Just like what you're doing. That's enough. Anyway, that's what I believe. Let's get started with uh, a quick 10 in about five seconds. We are back and have another brave contestant willing to play the quick 10. Please welcome Diane Pisani. She is the owner of homewatchacademy.com. Uh, it's an amazing business. You go and make sure second homes are okay when the owners are not there. And she has an academy to teach you to do that and to know all of the pitfalls. Diane, welcome. I hear you're willing to play the quick 10. I'm buckled up and ready to go. All right. I am required by Florida state law to ask, are you currently sober? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you, you know what? It's dry, it's, it's dry. It's no, it's dry January for me. I'm totally sober. Okay. okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, do you want to accept the standard wager, the standard wager without knowing what it is? Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. Number one, Absolutely. your favorite creativity hack. Mind mapping. Number two, favorite bootstrapping trick. Desperation. No, just kidding. Innovation and disruption. Number three, name your top passions. Travel, people watching, entrepreneurship, paying it forward, and laughing with my tribe. Number four, the first three steps in starting a business are education, risk management. I'm sorry, education, risk management, and continuing ed. Number five, the best way to get your first real customer is don't sell, present your solution to their problem. Number six, your dreamiest technology is. No-brainer home watch software. Number, number seven, best entrepreneurial advice. Stay longer. Number eight, worst entrepreneurial mistake. Not enough preparation for the lean times. Number nine, favorite entrepreneur and why? Sarah Blakely. She embraces embraced her failure. She teaches us to visualize success, tell the story. And I like this one the best. Focus on your strengths and delegate the rest. Number 10, favorite superhero. Superman, truth, justice, and the American way. All right. Fantastic answers. While we calculate your score and find out the winner, how do we get in touch and learn more about Home Watch? HomeWatchAcademy.com. Fantastic. Great job. Diane, I'm just kind of stalling while our, oh, I've been giving your <laughs> score. Oh, you got a 94, a 94. It's an excellent score, but you have to have a 95 to win the wager. And so unfortunately, uh, I win the wager. Uh, you had someone... Uh, someone from Iowa, apparently who dinged you. I don't know what that's about, but one of our judges from Iowa, 
Um, Imagine and, that. Yeah. And so uh, you owe us a Tesla, a Tesla. I'll be looking forward okay. to that. Consider it done. Excellent. Homewatchacademy.com. Yes, sir. Diane, fantastic job. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back. And again, thank you so much for being with us. Very excited to introduce my first guest today. This is an incredible story. Please welcome Jason White to the show. He got a high school degree and went into the Coast Guard, got out of the Coast Guard. And thank you for your service, Jason. And yes, sir. wasn't getting good jobs. And one day a friend of his asked him for some help doing something. I don't know, but it was a federal contract type thing. And Jason was exposed to federal contracts for the first time. He now has something like 40 under, uh, under contract with the United States government and has written a new book about it called the unconventional path to success how to build a multi-million dollar empire with self-education. He also has a class called thefederalcode.com where you can go and learn, e-learn all about this. Jason, amazing story. Welcome to the show. Man, thank you for having me, buddy. We had some difficulties this morning, but we're here together. That's right. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, what kind of work were you doing in 2008 when your friend told you about this tell us that the story way back when man watch this i was i was just got uh, out of the coast guard and um from doing some some bad things and then i'm working at the gas station i'm working at it was called amico back then and then it got changed to bp and i'm working part-time at the gas station when my friend talked to me about government contracting and that's when i went down that that rabbit hole of YouTube University back in 2008. That's how it all got started for me. Okay. Well, what did he have a, a, a government contract, your friend? No, nah, this dude really just heard about it earlier that day and came to me that night saying, This is what he wants to do now. And I, I was all about it because, you know, we were, we weren't thugs or we weren't gangsters or nothing like that. We were trying to work odds and end jobs, but doing some of the wrong things in the streets that we shouldn't have been doing at the same time. So when he, I figured out he was just trying to get his life in order and change his life around, then let's do it together. But I couldn't even get the knowledge that he had because he got locked up that night. So I had to learn it on my own through YouTube. Okay. I bet he, he never did it at all. Did he? No, no. So of course not, but, you know, he did five years, but when he came home, when he got released, of course, I'm going to teach him. I was teaching him everything that I know, and he's highly successful now oh, with cool. federal government contracts and real estate. Amazing. Yes, sir. So you can get a government contract even if you have uh, a record? Yeah, because it's not. Uh, that's the one thing I love about federal government contracting. It's not about your sketchy past. It's about 
how your business is set up. So the federal government doesn't do personal to business. They do B2B, business to business. Right. Okay, so you learned everything you needed on YouTube. Not every single thing. I learned some of the ground fundamentals from YouTube. And as I learned some of the ground fundamentals, what I did was took those fundamentals and put it into action. See, people believe knowledge is power, but that's not power. Applied knowledge is power. So what I learned, I had to apply it. And as I was going, I was being taught at the same time, just through trial and error. And then how long until you got your first contract? Man, I started this thing in 2008. I didn't get my first contract until 2011. Three years. Three three long years. And you know, most people can't even go um, two weeks without getting paid. I went three years without even seeing a single dime from a business that I just knew in the beginning was going to take me to where it has taken me. But when you're you know, when you're in the ground, when you're in the trenches, you can't see past your failures or what you think are your failures. So I pushed through it. I pushed through it. I worked hard every day. I was consistent every day. And then I started to really learn all the intricacies of federal government contracting, the government jargon, all of that good stuff. All right. So what was the first deal that you closed? So I, I got a contract for grease traps. That's the very first one that I closed. Grease what? traps. And yep, grease traps. Yeah, oh, clean, okay, cleaning grease traps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I still never seen a grease trap yet to this day. I just know what the purpose of a grease trap is. <laughs> All right, so uh, tell us more. I mean, how much how like what were you uh, I got cleaning you. the grease traps where and for how long? And tell us all about yep. it. Yep. So the very first contract I won in 2011 was for cleaning grease traps at the VA hospital. And that one was hospital? a four year. Yeah. A VA hospital, veteran affairs. Right, hospital, yeah, Just one VA. hospital though. Just one. Yep. Okay. It was just one. And it was for four years. And the total value for four years was 325,000. So uh, from that 325,000, my profit per month was only $125. Now the gurus. Why? Why is it so little? See, that seems like it, a lot of money just to clean a grease trap. That's almost like what eighty seventy five thousand dollars a year. Right. You break that to per month, but remember, it's the VA hospital, which is not a which is not a small cafeteria. That is a large cafeteria. That's a large kitchen. So yeah. the grease trap, you know, grows grease very quickly. Right. So my 125 is that's my trial and error but i didn't care about that the thing about most people most people get into a business they want to make a million dollars their first month they want to make a million dollars their first year that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life when as it relates to a new business if you strike gold congratulations but the goal should be bringing in consistent money over a long period of time then you'll get to your out financially but i was making that 125 man i was the happiest 125 i've ever made because that was for physical work that i wasn't doing i don't have a grease trap company i partnered up with the grease trap company to get that work completed and i, I couldn't been more happy like i said man you couldn't have told me none i was on cloud nine that's an amazing story and so how many do you have now 
I read now 40. I have, Is that about right? I have 41 active federal government contracts all over four years, and they're all residual income every single month. So I don't teach federal government contract nor speak about it as if just get one contract, get paid by the government, and look for another contract. No. I teach and promote understanding how to get residual income from the federal government by getting the long-term contracts four and five years at, at a time because that's the your that's your residual month after month after month and give us an idea of what those 40 contracts are for what areas what services are you providing give us the rundown oh you name you name it it services no 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 you um, name it yeah i'm about to <laughs> <laughs> armed unarmed security wig making uh janitorial laundry uh digital content uh grease traps real estate uh it is just so many is is construction so whatever haircuts whatever the whatever the federal government needs i'm sorry whatever you need on the outside of the federal government the federal government needs that on the inside so most of my contracts consist of what i name and then we throw in the the one hit of quitters meaning you know the federal government just wants i don't know 50 TVs. So we provide 50 TVs, get paid, and then move on to the next. But my goal has always been to keep those 41 contracts residually or grow it bigger because that's 41 streams of income just coming from the federal government alone. And most people try to understand what multiple streams of income look like. And I'm getting it 41 times from the federal government. And you teach all of this at your website, the federal code, right? Yeah. So we have a digital course that we do, uh, that's self-paced because at these days I can't be everywhere at once. And everybody has their own amazing businesses and lives outside of what they found before me. So we created the self-paced digital course It's doing very well. It's actually the number one course on think if it for federal government contracting, and we have over 6,500 students in the program, and everybody's doing very well. How much does it cost? So we have a sale right now, and it's $19.99, $1,999, and that's unlimited. So it's not like you have a limit to your course. Now, what you do have is you get four coaching calls. You get uh, access to the private Facebook group, and I have a group Zoom call every Wednesday at 8, at 8 p.m., and you get access to that as well, along with your digital course for the $1,999. All right. I mean, to change your life, that's a, an amazing price with a really great offering. Absolutely. Jason, how much of this comes down to race? Uh, are Obviously, there are certain contracts that are for certain minorities. How many of your contracts are racially based? How important is that to playing your game? So in the federal space is not important. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. I'll dive deep into it right now. The federal government does have minority owned uh, contracts or set aside. The federal government does have women owned or woman owned contracts set aside, right? They do have those even service disabled veteran and veteran preference contracts. However, comma, that's just getting you into a smaller room of people, but to still bid against. So if you have that tag, if you are 
a minority, which the, this is what the federal government deems as a minority. And most people don't know this. A minority is anybody that isn't a white male. That's what the federal government considers minority. So Caucasian women, anybody of all colors except for a white male, the federal government looks at you and your uh, background and gender as a minority. And most people don't realize that. So minority is not just uh, African-Americans in the federal government eyes. But that doesn't you know, put you into the front of the line like most people think. If you get a, cert a set-aside or a certification with one of those tags, all that does is put you in a smaller room with the people that have the same set-aside. But guess what? You still got to know how to bid. You still got to know the proposal process. So it doesn't give you preference like people think. It just puts you in a smaller room to bid against less people. All right. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Yes, How sir. do you find out about what deals are available to write proposals for? That's too easy. You just go to Sam S A M dot G O V and there is all the federal government contracting opportunities. And it's also where you go to register your company to be a vendor for federal government contracting. And it's 96 contract opportunities every single day. It's not even like that's once a month or once a year. That's every single day is 96,000 contracting opportunities. So 96,000, what's me, the number? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say the number yep. again. 96,000 With three zeros? There you go. Three zeros. 96 or 9,600, 96,000, right before 100,000. That's correct. And that's, that's, that's how you know the federal government is looking for small businesses like ours, like the people I talk to, to procure these products and these services. But most people got this stigma that it's hard to do federal government contracting. I can't do it. I don't know enough. But the mindset shouldn't even be about what you can do. The mindset should be about what you can manage. Can you manage the contract and or can you manage the company that you're going to partner with to do the contract? The answer is always going to be yes. So you don't do any of the work yourself. You outsource all of the work. A thousand percent. I can't have 19 different companies doing 19 different industries. The one thing that I pride myself on is being the middle person and helping understand what the government's expectations are, helping articulate to a company that can actually do the work because that company doesn't want to learn the government jargon. They just want to do whatever the, their prone to do in whatever industry, which is a, you know, cutting grass or doing IT work or doing digital content, whatever they want to do. So I let them do that and also bringing them federal government contracting opportunities. All right. So from finding the proposal on Sam, how long does it take you to get one ready? Is it five pages, 50 pages? How much work does it take? So that's easy. So it's three different levels of the government, right? Federal, state, and local. On state and local, that's what you're referencing. That's what most people think. It's 15 pages, five pages to get a proposal. Oh, I got to hire a proposal writer on my team. All that's garbage. You don't need none of that when you're talking with the federal government. The federal government actually lays out everything that they want you to provide and that's your proposal. 
they'll say something like, hey, turn in a price sheet, turn in a reference sheet, or turn in, you're going to get the job done. They'll tell you what they want you to turn in, and that's your proposal. There's no proposal writing on federal government contracting. That's why I love the federal level. And how do you know how to set the price? How important is the price? Is the price the only thing that they use to determine? So it, let's say that, you know, there's a hundred people filled it all out, right? Got all of the check boxes where they got to have a check box. Is the lowest price going to win out of that bucket? So yes and no. So that's a two part question, right? So the government does look for the lowest price, but then they look for the most capable company. So if you have the lowest price and show that you're the most capable. So to your example, everybody got all the checkbox marked. Everybody looks good on paper, but your price is $100,000 over. Then they're going to look at my price because I have the same documentation you have, all my boxes I checked. But now I'm at $60,000. So you have to have the price is very important because you're looking to submit competitive quotes. You're not looking to price gals the government you're looking to do the job at a high quality but at a reasonable price point and people miss that mark a lot as well so how do you determine your price jason how do you know you know do you go out off the bids you get and then add a a, a fee for yourself how do you come up with your prices see, see i didn't even teach you and you already know yes the people that are in this industry they know the price points because it changes day to day, right? Just like grass prices. So I'm going to reach out to the individuals that are actually in that industry, get price points from them and put my money on top of their price points or their quotes. Then we submit to the federal government because without that price, I wouldn't know what to charge the government because they're doing the work, not me. And how much do you add for yourself? 10, 15, 20%, 50%? Nope, nope. None. I don't do percentages. You shoot yourself in the foot when you're doing percentages because you got to think about it. Everybody's not asking for million dollars, right? Every contract is not a million dollar contract. So if I just go into this thing saying I'm going to do 10%, 50%, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. So you have to do measurables, right? And doing measurables come from speaking to the people in the industry. That'll help you determine how much you can put on for yourself. I don't understand that. Give me, what do you mean measurables? You got to get the course to understand what I mean by measurables. Okay. The federal code.com going to teach you. <laughs> All right. That's fair. That's totally fair. Jason. Uh, <laughs> what's the craziest one you've ever gotten? The, the, or seen, you didn't even have to get it. What's the craziest request the government's ever made that you've seen? Oh, call me personally. And asked me to procure missiles. What? You know, you know, missiles. <laughs> yeah. That's the craziest thing that I've been approached by the federal government to procure missiles. It, that's crazy. You know how much one missile costs? Like, you know, a small missile would be like 10, 15 million dollars or something, right? It's up there. It's, it's up there. It's no, it's no less than $7 million. So they're asking a business. So once you get to a certain... Remember, I've been doing this since 2011. I started in 2008. I didn't get awarded to 2011. So 
I've been doing this that long to the where the federal government can look at my company and they can tell that I can procure any product, any service at a price point that sometimes the federal government can't get when they try to go direct. Now, the missiles that they asked me to procure, they weren't there to be uh, uh, unworking missiles. It's a term for it. I can't think of the term for it, but they didn't want, they're not live missiles. They weren't live missiles that they were asking for. I guess they're going to try to decommission. figure something out. Decommission. There you go. Thank you. They were decommissioned missiles that they requested my company to procure. Tell us a little bit about the book. That's the craziest thing, though. Tell us about the book. So my book, The Unconventional Path to Success, is merely that. It's about how I didn't do the conventional way. You know, I barely graduated from high school. I went to college only one semester, and I did let life teach me. Most people can't fathom. Well, back in my day anyway, it was really all about going to college, getting a master's degree, and getting a real PhD. Um, but most people went that way to get the lifestyle that they thought they wanted. I just let life teach me, and I didn't know that that's what was happening with me, but it helped me change my mindset. It helped me get focused on a, a certain work ethic. It gave me the ability to use my common sense and marry that with business sense. So my book is all about how I just took my unconventional path and I noticed what was happening to me, made it a, a real process, and now I call it success, but I still got more levels of success that I'm ch definitely going to reach. I don't doubt you for a second. Jason, it's an <laughs> incredible it. story, and I, uh, I'm just really impressed. Well done. Well done. How do we find Thank out you, more? How do we get the class, the federal code? It's easy. Just go to the federalcode.com the federal c-o-d-e dot com and the book is on my website called the unconventionalbook.com and I can be reached on Instagram at I am Jason White underscore I am Jason White underscore fantastic Jason thank you so much great stuff and uh, I hope you'll come back again man this was fun man I appreciate your time Likewise, likewise. And we will be right back. Well, that's a that's a that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh my gosh, I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's that's all that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and and I don't have a great answer. It's that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question, and that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. Got a great to the show. He is from Portugal, worked at the EU headquarters of a company called Google for about a decade. Since then, he has been out on his own acting as a business mentor, specifically in the help industry. 
and has a very unique philosophy of marketing. He calls it anti-marketing. I'm excited to introduce that philosophy to you. I think I know what he means by it. We'll have him explain it, but I already buy into it because I just buy into the anti. I don't like to be marketed to. Do you? Right? None of us do. Tiago, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I'm uh, doing great. It's uh, all right. So I love your tagline, <laughs> the anti-marketing. Explain what that is. How do you market with anti-marketing? <laughs> well, I'm not an anti-marketer per se. I, I absolutely love marketing. It's my uh, my life, my hobby, my everything. I I just I'm an anti the um, the the shiny object syndrome. You know those distractions uh, of uh, trying to go for the complex things of funnels and ads and or jumping on the uh, reels wagon and uh, trying to entertain uh, Mark Zuckerberg's algorithms to get to gain authority. Um, be, and why why am I against that? Because I truly believe, after years of experimenting and failing hard, uh, I truly believe that we already have everything we need in our world to start, grow, and sustain a very very fun business. Um, uh, yeah, that's the basis of it. Uh, if you want me to expand on it, I'll be happy well, to do. Sure, it. go ahead. I love. <laughs> So I already have everything I need. <laughs> I wish that were true. Uh, they tell me I only use 5% of my brain. I feel like I'm using 100%. So what what do you mean by that? I already have everything I need. <laughs> yes, yes. I know it's, it's, it sounds a bit weird, uh, but, but you'll understand it's completely natural and maybe overly simplistic for some, but it's so easy that you're, it's also very easy not to do it, right? So, um, And what I mean in terms of what we have in our world, I mean the established relationships. Okay, so... Uh, everyone that you have some sort of relationship around you. So you're, you, you probably have some previous clients, a list of uh, customers, people you've had uh, interactions with, leads, uh, sales calls. Uh, we also all have contact lists of friends, family, colleagues, LinkedIn connections. <laughs> and we also have some sort of a, an audience, right? Either some profile on Facebook or Instagram or even email list. So we all have these established relationships around us. Um, and these people might not necessarily be the ones who give us the money per se, but uh, they can also be the ones who help us get the money. Okay. Um, so, and how do we tap into those people? <laughs> First of all, we have to guarantee that we have something that our target audience actually needs, right? That they, that they actually need want to solve a specific problem, that they, they want to achieve a specific goal badly today, and they want to solve it right now, right? And if we don't have that, that's exactly where I usually advise my clients to start. So what I like to do is to okay tap into our current network and interview either past clients, past leads, uh, followers. Uh, actually, make it a conversation for 10-15 minutes and ask them, "Well, what do you need? What's your day to day? What are your main frustrations? How's it going? What do you want to achieve? How does it make you feel?" To collect those emotional words and those um, very valuable data points that will help you create something—a service, a product, uh, you know, something that the that they will actually want to buy, right? This is the basis of creating an irresistible offer is to craft something around what people actually are telling you that they need, not not what is on our minds. <laughs> we have this tendency of uh, being locked in our mind and uh, behind our computers to create something and then try to sell it. <laughs> so I, I defend that we should do the opposite. First talk to people and then create something that they want to buy. Uh, so because that's the first step is to ask around you, do you have something? If you don't have, ask people, create something for them. Uh, and then the second question to ask is, do my current relationships, the people around me, do they need this new thing that I'm creating, right? 
And so for those that actually need it, you just simply ask them if they want help, right? Ask, ask for example, the people you just interviewed, go back to them and say, so you told me you had this problem. I just created this amazing product. What do you think? Do you know someone? So you can start immediately uh, selling to those people that you just discussed. Um, and also using your, your followers, you can just create those kind of hand-raising posts, you know, that you see around like, I'm looking for five people that want to achieve this specific goal. And if, if that's you, please let me know below, comment below or send me a DM. And then you can start having conversations with those people as well. Um, so that's for the people that actually need. But for the majority of people that don't need what you have, you can create something that they actually need. So everybody needs money, right? <laughs> everybody loves to support the people they care about. So you can simply just create a referral program around this new offer that you have. And offer a referral commission. So you just ask people, everyone around you. So, hey, I'm creating this amazing thing. Do you know anyone who would be interested in it? If you do, I'm paying a referral fee. So, and creating this habit of systematically asking for referrals, basically. Asking for allowing people to help you because uh, people actually want to help each other. So we just have to be willing to uh, and, and helping them help us, right? So that's the basic key, the, the basis of the anti-marketing method. So to some of the specifics when you talk about reaching out to your network um mm -hmm. you know a lot of people aren't comfortable with that uh yeah. especially say if you already have a job and you're trying to create a new business and still keep the job up and running until you get fired for having a business on you know uh, uh how do we get around you know I, I'm not really comfortable hitting up my network. I don't want them to know what mm -hmm. I'm doing quite yet. I, I kind of want to be in stealth mode. There are a lot of reasons I can think of, Tiago, that I wouldn't yes. want my network to know. You know, a current job, uh, fear, just a lot of things. Um, yeah, I totally understand. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I totally understand. That's just what you're going to. Um, but uh, also the question to ask maybe to that person is, uh, uh, well, do you really, really want to get this new thing that they're trying to achieve, right? Um, and if so, um, if we really want to achieve what we have in our minds, we have to start getting out a bit of our own minds. <laughs> we are a bit irrelevant in our own, on our own businesses, right? What matters is the people that want to, the people that we will be serving are the ones that we should be caring more about and not our own fears, own, own uh, <laughs> beliefs that... Uh, I'm not enough, or people. What will people think uh, if we're stuck in that in that um, in that uh, like a trap? Indeed, it means probably that we're not fully ready to, or it's, we're not having something that actually excites us, that that creates a flame inside us that uh, will make us okay. I'm going to do everything I need to make this happen. This has to happen now, uh, because maybe that person is still very comfortable with their current lifestyle. They don't want to actually lose it. They're just thinking maybe I want this. Uh, I, in my in my in my mind, of course, it's my opinion. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I think that uh, if a person is really ready, if if she really wants to achieve this new goal, this new objective, this new business, uh, she will get out get out of her own mind and uh, just face all the rejections, potential rejections, and just work no matter what, and just keep going. Because if you're completely outcome uh, independent of of these actions that you're going to start doing. It's it's inevitable that things will start happening because uh, the more people you speak to, the more the more the network you'll be able to reach out, the more you'll feel comfortable talking about what you have to offer, right? Uh, and that's one of the, the the biggest things that um, 
has been making the biggest difference in my life is to lose this to, have, to lose the fear of asking asking more <laughs> uh i think that's that's those are the my thoughts uh, that i can bring about right now well i certainly agree with you about asking and losing the fear of asking i've often joked that if you're a good entrepreneur you should also be really good at dating because you should not <laughs> be afraid to ask pretty girls out or pretty boys uh Absolutely. whatever you want and uh that you only have to find one pretty girl to say yes you know <laughs> exactly the numbers so, game, right? <laughs> uh anyway you said something that we i hear a lot of other people say or you referred to the idea that uh, I'm not enough. I'm not mm -hmm. that maybe your fear is that you're not good enough. Uh, how do you overcome that? How do you overcome the imposter syndrome? Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of it. I still have <laughs> what I did in, because I, I, I was a very introverted person and uh, hated public presentations. And uh, so what I did was to, but I'm also a bit crazy in that sense. I, I, I just jump in no matter without thinking of <laughs> What will be the consequences? For example, I made a 90-day challenge uh, on, on YouTube to create, start, finally start creating videos and become a creator, which I then extended to 120 days. So basically using brute force to jump in and uh, eventually get rid of that, um, that fear uh, that is most of the times not real, right? It's a bit virtual. It's on our minds. And when, when you actually start acting and taking action, we see that we... We have a skill that we didn't know we had. We improve a skill that we didn't, didn't know we had. We just became better uh, at doing what we are trying to do. And those fears start going away simply because you're in motion, you're in action, and you're not overthinking things. And, uh, and then you look back and, oh my God, I already did all of this. Wow. Was this me? <laughs> it's impressive. And you basically become a new person. So I'm a, a big fan of massive action. Uh, again, not thinking about the outcome, completely outcome independent. <laughs> I know it's not easy to to get there. I will I'll, absolutely it took me years to get there, but uh, from my experience, is is probably the only way to get over um, get over those fears uh, is through motion, through action. Of course, you're gonna hate <laughs> doing it at the beginning, but uh, you have to believe the process and know that at the end of the of the tunnel, that there's a new a new you waiting waiting for you to uh, to become. Tell me about the hundred and twenty day challenge. Yes, uh, so I um, I hated the first few videos, of course. <clears throat> but the first, first of all, I committed myself. To, okay, ninety days. I told my wife, I told some friends, some colleagues, third told my social media following. So I was absolutely accountable for it. That's that's a, maybe a very good first step is to okay, not not only you, but you're accountable for others. Um, and then yeah, simply do ninety videos in ninety days or whatever new skill you want to try to achieve. No matter what, even if you go on holidays, if you're sick, <laughs> I had periods where I was on holidays, I still did. Even if it's like a short video, one minute, two minutes, I still shipped it, you know, just to feel this sense, kind of a sense of accomplishment that uh, you're still going ahead, you're still doing it. And of course, I hated the first few videos, but I also didn't want to watch them. So I kept going. At some point, I started becoming a bit easier. It became a bit easier for me and um, flowing easier. I found my voice at like around video 30. I felt super comfortable. I knew who I was talking to. Things were, I was bringing my true self, you know, instead of trying to be someone I was not. I, I finally found my voice at video 30. <laughs> and um, 
and that starts to attract people when you when you're yourself you're you're super genuine and you bring your best to to uh, whatever you're doing it uh, it reflects and people get attracted to you uh, and yeah of course it's i also became a content partner to youtube and to google so it, it was putting a bit more eyes on me um and uh, i was also doing some seo so so that make sure that people would find my content so yeah the, a lot of new skills i i gathered in a short period of time uh, and i love this kind of 90 day challenges for you to gain any kind of skill that you feel is necessary and that you're not very good at at the moment. For example, I did a, an email challenge for 90 days. I did also a blog challenge. And now I'm looking for a new challenge. CEO tactics. Having actually worked at Google, you should know <laughs> all of the secrets. So, or be able to call a friend and say, hey, put me up at number one. <laughs> yes. you know, so many of us don't trust Google. You know, yes. it's it's so easy to have a conspiracy against Google. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And then also, what are your Google or SEO best tips? Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no magic tricks. Um, unfortunately, there's no magic button. <laughs> uh, but I think the the first thing to to be on in this game for long term is to not do any tricks. Don't just use AI to copy paste things or. Or do any crazy uh, link building, um, you know, black hat link building things like uh, do not just do things that are legal, <laughs> uh, and be yourself and create your own things and and you'll do great. That's that's the first thing uh, to survive long term. And then of course to be very strategic with what you create. So instead of just creating top content around topics that you feel like creating, go first find out what people are actually searching for on Google. Uh, you know, there's lots of keyword research tools that um, you can just see what people, what actually, what actually the words that people are using to search for your topics, uh, and then just create a, a, some some content around exactly those uh, that keyword that you find, and even the similar keywords or suggested keywords. Um, uh, you put it, of course, you put it in the title. You put you 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 talk it through if it's video in the first thirty seconds, um, and then you save all the files using that keyword, the image, the video, etc. Um, use use the uh, YouTube tags, etc. That's what I did for 120 videos, and they get a lot of traffic coming from Google. Yeah, even even when I did interviews, um, when I was interviewing other people, uh, m my videos show up first before all their their own videos, right? <laughs> Which is very interesting. Uh, but just by being strategic about how I create this stuff, the, these things, and uh, so reflecting exactly what people are searching for and giving it to them. Um, that's that's I think that's all you need any of the tools to research what words to use what keywords to use what titles to use do you use any of the back-end google tools no 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 i don't have access to it anymore <laughs> i used no, to no, have no, the, the, not the not the you know proprietary stuff just the the things that are out there for everybody to use ah, you know, yeah, like yeah, keyword yes. finders and stuff like exactly. that exactly uh, that's exactly the one i use <laughs> keyword finder it's very user-friendly i love the way they organize it it shows how much uh, competition each keyword has, and you can dig deeper to see what's the search volume, what kind of uh, suggested uh, similar words. So yeah, I, I really love that uh, that tool. I would I would recommend it for whoever wants to play this game. Tell us about a typical client that you would have. What is a, a normal client request, and how would you uh, start working with that kind of a client? What do they normally say when they come in the door? 
Yeah, like I, yeah, maybe people are. First of all, I help people in the that are kind of coaches, uh, consultants, service providers that you know want to generate the specific results, help others uh, to get results, um, and um, they they might be cringing. <laughs> They think that they'll have to post reels on Instagram every day, or they're just tired of wasting money on ads that are eating up their budgets, uh, and that's the only way they know how to do it. Then those are my people that that, that I really can uh, help deeply um, using basically what we why I discussed here at the beginning, which is uh, tapping into their own network, uh, crafting an offer that people actually want to buy. That's that's the essential to make everything else work. Um, and then and then yeah, just. Uh, Using referrals uh, and uh, and leveraging whatever they have around them to you know show show what they just created to everyone. Basically, that's it. You don't need to know much more than that. Is tapping into your network and creating something that they want, and then asking if they want it. And then, of course, if you want to expand your network, that will be the second step, which we which I love to leverage my own podcast, which I, I created at the beginning, and also also being a guest in other people people's podcasts. So. Leveraging, leveraging, leveraging other people's networks and networking with very influential people. So those will be the, the two steps that I love to work with people. What is entrepreneurship like in Portugal? I'm, yeah, in, you're in Lisbon, right? In Lisbon, Portugal, yes. So, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is so low across Europe. It's uh, yes. two or three percent of GDP, you know, in the United States is maybe eleven percent. Uh, why do? You, what are the cultural reasons that entrepreneurship is low? Do people think you're crazy? Do, were your parents ashamed that you became an mm -hmm. entrepreneur until you were successful? Uh, talk to me about being an entrepreneur in the Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> yes. Actually, my parents were always entrepreneurs. My, my dad was a civil engineer on his own, and my mom was the, uh, a gym, had, had her own gym. Um, but, but you're absolutely right here. I think, at least in Portugal, I think one of the main reasons is, is the lack of uh, financial culture, right? Like uh, personal finance culture or investing mindset. Um, I think we're, we're still very formatted to just, uh, you know, do a job, live, live, live like that forever, and then retire, and then... Uh, depend on the state to to take care of you. Uh, I think it's still it's still a cultural mindset that, uh, but I think I believe it's changing now. Uh, the new the millennials, my generation, and before that, uh, and after that actually, um, things are changing slowly. Uh, and I believe that now uh, many more people will try their own adventure, especially due to also the social economic uh, current state, right? The 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 um, inflation and uh, yeah, th things are getting very expensive, even housing. And very very low pay, very low pay in uh, salaries. Um, so it will take some time, but I, I believe it's, it's changing now. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Here here, uh, um, the things are not as 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 in the U.S. Indeed. Are your clients European or mostly American? Uh, no, no. I, I actually was fo fully focused in Portugal uh, up to last year, up to last year, uh, and now I finally decided to break that another belief that I had in my mind that oh, here in Portugal is a bit. Easier, I know the market. It's less competition, uh, but no. <laughs> One of my mentors told me, "Tiago, Portugal is 10 million people uh, versus 1.8 billion English speakers. What are you doing?" <laughs> so yeah, I finally broke that belief, and um, I'm starting starting my internationalization process.
And are you finding clients to be different or pretty much a client is a client is a client? <laughs> uh, yeah, a client is a client is a client. But of course, I, I see differences in terms of uh, people are more used to this kind of, um, you know, uh, consultancy, coaching, are more used to buying such such services and also to implement such services than here. Um, I think that's the main the main difference. That people are more more aware of what they need. The, the more uh, they know what they want more specifically, and then and are more used to ask for help in this kind of coaching, mentoring, etc. landscape, which is which is very interesting for me. And when you try to break into the American market, are you using the same messaging, the same pitch, or is your pitch going to be different? No, it's actually very, very similar. I'm not not changing that many things, um, other than the fact that uh, in Portugal I I talk a lot about internationalizing now, because <laughs> I, I truly believe in it, uh, and um, that's the only difference uh, so far. Fascinating. I love your message, and I think it's uh, just makes a lot of sense. How do we find out more? <laughs> get in touch with you. Hire you, all of that, please. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jim, for that. Um, so I think if you have any question or comment about what we discussed today, uh, I think it's better for, for you to send me an email at tiago at tiagofaria.pt. I can send the links afterwards. Uh, or if you want to have a call uh, with me and uh, maybe uh, talk a bit about what your current uh, network, about your, what you have in your own world to see what we could, uh, if we could find something, simple strategy that you can implement today. You can book a, a free call with me at tiagofari.pt or slash call. Thank you so much for being with us and we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much, Jim. It was a true honor. Hope people find something useful. We are out of time. Have a great day. Be safe, everyone. Bye now. <laughs>